Hi everybody, I'm Mavi. I'm Manita. And welcome to episode 6 of Good Morning Mondays, a series that aims to bring you good news, fun facts, new perspectives, and basically all things good vibes. We know that there's a lot of bad news going on lately, but we hope to show you that even in the bad, the good still exists as long as we are willing to look out for it. In a nutshell, this is just a conversation between two friends trying to stay positive, and we wanted to include you into the conversation too. So yeah, we hope that you learned something new from this and took away some feel-good vibes for the rest of your day. So I've been on TikTok lately uh-huh. and I came across this particular TikTok account called Are You Happy? Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit curious about what it was about and I'm not sure whether it started by one person or like a group of people but essentially what they do is they go around and ask strangers if they're happy. So the three main questions they ask are Are you happy? Why or why not? And what is one message you have for the world? And I think like, you know, because it's TikTok, right? So you, so you just scroll and scroll. Yeah. Then I came across a lot of insightful answers. I think almost all of them were very insightful for me. Lah, but then I came across some of the more impactful ones for me. So um, there was this one particular video um, of like a woman standing outside her workplace, I think. Then she said, um, she started off with, I'm happy with certain aspects of my life, mm-hmm. others not so much. Work's been tough, but my social life, my boyfriend, my family, then after a while she you can see like um there's actually like this twist in her yeah. mind. She was like, actually you know what, I am happy. My new supervisor's a little tough, but that will just make me work harder. I like what I do, yeah, and yeah, I'm happy. So like when I watched that particular TikTok, it was quite heartwarming because uh, I think as human beings we always tend to like go with the negative first. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, oh no la, not not so good, not very happy. But then it's very interesting to see how like she put around and she was mm-hmm. like initially she was just like, oh I'm not that happy. But then she thought about it. Then she was like, actually you know what, I am pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. Then I was quite heartened by it la. There were some other answers that were also quite insightful. So someone said, I think this was from a teenage boy, then he said, I wouldn't say I'm happy but I'm enjoying life at the moment. That's like, oh, that's such a nice way to put it, you know. Actually, I'm just curious, like, you know when they go around asking strangers this, right? What is the first reaction of most strangers? Because I'm trying to imagine if somebody randomly on the street comes and asks me if I'm happy, right? Wow, it would be like an entire, it's an entire existential question, eh? Like, I would just stun. Mm, so they, essentially what they do is they go up to the person, then they say, Hi, I'm filming something for a documentary I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I interview you? Mm-hmm. Then the person is like, okay, yeah, sure. What's your question? Then they just bomb the person. Are you happy? Yeah, such a profound question, but that's where you get all the different responses lah. Mm-hmm. Then there was one that said, I'm about 50% happy, but I still have to work harder to be fully happy. I guess... What's interesting about this account is that, or this particular project is that there's so many different people, so many different perspectives, mm-hmm. and they cover people who are like really, really young to people who are really, really old, mm-hmm. yeah, and who have different life experiences. And I think it's very significant because uh, when you look at it and when you hear their responses, you realize that 
oh, these are very human responses. Yeah. Yeah, very down-to-earth kind of responses. And mm-hmm. there's no response that goes like, oh, I'm happy because I own like a Ferrari or something. Yeah. It's very relatable lah, right? Yeah, it's very relatable. And I think one thing I found out was that different people have different definitions of happiness. Right. I think some were like, um, happiness is a state. So like, my current state is I'm happy. But for some people, happiness is like this overall goal to achieve. So I think, you know, it got me the question like, am I happy and like, what is happiness to me? And I think yeah. overall, I am pretty happy lah. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the big picture, I have a roof over my head. Um, There were some responses actually that said that, oh, I'm happy because I'm alive. Then at first I was like, oh, duh, like, yeah. uh, what do you mean you're happy because you're alive? Yeah. But then actually I thought about it, actually I am happy because I'm alive because it's, so, it's such a blessing to be alive, right? Yeah, alive and safe. Yeah, alive and safe. And generally, like, we go through hardships, but at the end of the day, we are very lucky people, at least the two of us. Yeah, I think, like, my definition of a struggle, like, based on my experience, is is nothing compared to real struggle. Mm. So, for that, like, at the very least, of course, I must say I'm happy, I think. Mm. I can't deny that. Yeah, so I guess, you know, for people who are interested, you can check out the TikTok account, Are You Happy? It's literally just that, just search it and you'll find it. Yeah. Okay, so for my piece of news I came across, so I came across this headline about murals being painted on walls of an Ang Mokyo HDB estate. Mm. And actually, this is part of a project that had started in 2020, but I think it's only like garnered like attention recently. So I, I saw it on Instagram, etc. Mm. And so in this HDB estate at Ang Mokyo, they have painted murals of like, you know, the white rabbit candy, a coffee cup, um, kue lapis, and satay. And it's actually part of a wayfinding project to guide seniors with dementia and Alzheimer's to find their way in their HDB estates. Mm. And I think it's a very good idea. I mean, personally, as, as a youngster, when I go to HDB estates, I myself get lost. Yeah. Okay, my sense of direction is very bad. But it can be so confusing, right? Yeah. So I think having this as like... Um, a guide? Yes, having this as like a guide, a visual guide, mm. a visual marker for elderly is definitely very helpful. So I read up a bit more, and it's actually an initiative by the Alzheimer's Disease Association. And um, they had come up with this idea through doing underground research first and asking like people in the community, uh, what do you think are the difficulties that elderly face? Mm. And I think it's significant, especially because the neighborhood where they implemented this is a mature neighborhood with a lot of elderly. Mm. And so one of the main things um, that came up was difficulties in wayfinding, especially at void decks. Mm. And so um, they have painted, if you have seen the photos on Instagram, the murals are actually quite big. Yeah. It like, takes up basically like the entire HDB pillar. And they have like a number there as well, mm. the block number. And I mean, not only does it help um, as visual markers, etc. I think it's very pretty, like the murals. It is, it is. And it's very iconically Singapore, right? Mm. I think it, it just adds into the entire like estate feel. Mm. So I think just going into the long term, it would be nice to see this in more HDB estates. Yeah. And um, in general, I think aging population is, is a very prevalent problem. It's going to be increasingly worsened, right? Mm. Uh, so definitely, it would make sense to implement something like that. This is part of one of their projects and um, I was just reading up a bit more about dementia and Alzheimer's and I thought like maybe it's a good time to just share a bit more about it since Mm. we already started on this topic. Mm. So just to share, dementia is an umbrella term that describes a wide range of symptoms which includes memory loss and mental decline and there are two types of dementia. So the first is Alzheimer's disease and the second is vascular dementia. So in Alzheimer's disease, the onset of symptoms 
and the progress of the illness is gradual. So it happens over time. Mm. And the thing is that it doesn't manifest physically from the start. So it's only in the more severe stages where you really can see the person physically not able to function as well. Mm. So on the onset, the person may seem very normal, but it's things like memory loss or not being able to act the most appropriately in social situations. Mm. But on the other hand, vascular dementia happens from a series of strokes in the brain. So it's called like post-stroke dementia. Mm. So of course, um, I think all of us know that it affects many elderly people. And I think the last time like a broad-based um, research or census was done on this was by IMH in 2015. And they had um, recorded that 1 in 10 people aged 60 and above may have dementia which translates to almost 82,000 people in 2018. Wow. And the number then was expected to exceed 100,000 in a few years' time, which I suspect is around now. Mm. Which is like a lot of people. And mm. yeah, as mentioned, like the general symptoms are like problems with memory. So things like really forgetting where people put their things or um, visual perception, their mood swings. I think in general, we tend to think like elderly people are cranky. So sometimes it's not so easy to detect because, you know, you just think that, oh, it's just them being cranky. Yeah. But I think it, it starts getting more serious when you realise that they cannot even navigate themselves in like familiar situations. Mm. Example, in their own estate, forgetting where certain shops are or forgetting where they have put their own items, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, and as it gets more severe, of course, the memory lapses get worse. I think one more very telling sign is like when they cannot maintain their own personal hygiene. Mm. Things like forgetting to wash their hands. Yeah. Yeah. And at the very worst stages, it's like not being able to recognize family members. Yeah. Which makes the situation very hard, not just for them, but for the families as well. Yeah. Because like just to imagine your parents and your grandparents who you have more or less relied for your entire life suddenly become very helpless mm. and almost feel like a stranger to you because they just simply don't remember things. Yeah. So I think of course it's very important to look out for signs earlier because I mean for one dementia is not curable but at the same time it's very important to see a doctor to get diagnosis and get medication to alleviate the symptoms at least mm. and more importantly to get um, in touch with the community which your doctor can link you up with. Mm. Of course, it's very hard for the elderly to go through dementia and Alzheimer's but I would say it's equally as hard or even harder for the caregivers. Mm. So I think it's very important to have a community where um, you can get in touch with other caregivers and also just share problems, have a listening ear because frankly as a caregiver, like a non-caregiver can never really relate to you yeah. because the situations are just so vast, right? Mm. So um, it's very important to get help and have an outlet to share your problems because if not, it gets very stifling. Like caregiving is a 24-7 job. Mm. So you need that outlet, yeah. So I also was just reading up more on the page and actually they have a section on help ways to cope with your elderly parent or grandparent going through forgetfulness. Mm. So it's the simplest things like every day reminding them of the reality around them. So like telling your grandparent the day, the date. Mm. And I mean, based on my personal experience, when I've got relatives with dementia, at least with my grandmother, like there were times where she would just suddenly start talking about the 40s and the 50s again, as if she's living it again. Mm. And then you're very taken aback because you don't know how to handle the situation and yeah. you cannot respond also because you don't know the context, right? Yeah. So of course, I mean, you just listen because it's kind of an outlet and you get to learn a lot also because all the while growing up, she never really shared about her past. Then suddenly when she started talking about it, you're like, oh my god, that was actually her life. Mm. But of course, then you remind them like who you are, uh, what day is it, what year it is, mm. where you're living, etc. Mm. And also things like keeping a routine. 
So it's just a functional routine that they can go through every day. Mm. And um, of course, using memory aids like diaries or even like writing on the back of photos. Mm. At least last time we used to have physical photos. Now everything is more or less on our phones, etc. Right? Yeah. But um, I remember my grandfather used to write on the back of his photos like who he had taken photos with, like who is this, where he has met them, and when that photo was taken. Yeah, I mean, even if it's not used to help somebody with dementia remember things, I think it's just like a good memory kind of thing. Yeah. So um, that's just more or less the information I got on the website. But I was also just reading up more on their initiative um, along with the Wayfinding Project. And they also came up with a Talk To Me video series, which I thought was very nice. So what they did was they paired like children with and seniors with dementia in a video together and they were just talking it's, it's literally talk to me. So mm. they're just talking about things like, um, what is it like when you forget things? Or like, what life advice do you have for me? And I think it just makes, it just humanizes the entire um, thing. Mm. But it, it makes it very relatable and it gives people with dementia like a voice to actually express that, like the struggles they are going through. And it just really makes them out to be like totally normal people. Lah. Yeah. So I found that like a very like um, uplifting in- initiative. Mm. Yeah, so just sharing this, I guess dementia is not easy, definitely not easy for anybody mm. and it's an increasingly prevalent problem but um, I guess just remember to be patient with like the elderly around us mm. because after all, I mean, they have put in hard work all their lives, right? Like it's fair that we are there to help them out and take care of them now, like in return. Yeah, and even for like the people who are taking care of people with dementia, mm-hmm. like I guess it's good to know that they're not alone nah, and you know, a lot of, there's like what you mentioned, there is a community out there that they can turn to, they can talk to also. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. So that's for um, like the two pieces of good news we have today. So before we end off, just like a reminder that June is the month of Pride or June is Pride Month. And mm-hmm. you know, in celebration of Pride Month, we wanted to go through a little bit of the history of what Pride Month is and where did Pride Month originate from. So if you do like a quick Google search and you go on Wikipedia, you'll realize that Pride Month is actually used to commemorate the Stonewall Riots of 1969. So I did a little bit more of digging and so I'm gonna give you like just some like fun facts or like just explain what the Stonewall Riots was about lah. So this information comes from a professor of history at the San Francisco State University called Mark Stein and I got it from his book called Rethinking the Gay and Lesbian Movement. So just a disclaimer that um, how people remember a particular kind of history or a particular event in history is very subjective. So what I tried to do was I tried to just like pick out the facts and not the opinions. So uh, feel free to disagree with whatever I have to say, but this is just to like give you a sense of what the origins of Pride Month is. So essentially, um, like I mentioned, Pride Month occurs in June to commemorate the Stonewall Riots of June 1969. So what exactly was the Stonewall Riots and why is it so significant? So this riot happened because there was a police raid on the Stonewall Inn on June 28, 1969. And Stonewall Inn was like a private club on Christopher Street in Greenwich Village. And what happened after that was that the raid prompted several days of rioting by thousands of New Yorkers. And at the time of the raid itself, um, the Stonewall Inn was actually one of the most, like the city's most popular gay bars. So the people who usually frequented these gay bars were gay men, drag queens, street queens, 
transsexuals, sex workers, and also a small number of lesbians and others who transgress gender and sexual norms. And during the raid, police lost control when the patrons and the passers-by, um, these passers-by consisted of gay, lesbian, trans, and even straight people also. Um, so these patrons and passerby fought back and it became known as, quote, the gay power riot, unquote. So over the next few days, thousands of New Yorkers battled the police for control of the streets near Stonewall. And in the aftermath of this, um, he calls it an uprising. Mm -hmm. uh, many describe the riots as the first acts of gay and lesbian resistance ever, which is why it was so significant and is significant until today, and it's why people still commemorate it. But it's important to note that the Stonewall riots was not the first act of pro-LGBTQ resistance. In fact, um, starting from like the 1940s, the 1950s, there were already many pro-LGBTQ activities and resistance going on in local communities. And back then, they were called the homophile movement. Um, nowadays, we call it the LGBTQ movement, but back then it was called the homophile movement. And they championed gay and lesbian rights in an era of dramatic social, cultural, and political change. Yeah, so essentially that's what the Stonewall riots was about. The police raided the Stonewall Inn, and then that's when you kind of see like the very first mass organization of pro-gay, pro-lesbian, pro-LGBTQ activists coming around. Yeah, but um, it's important to note that this whole Stonewall riots incident is in the American context, and even within the American context itself, the LGBTQ plus movement is really diverse, cutting across racial, class, and religious divides. So a white gay man would have a very different experience from like an African-American gay man. And you know, the meaning of Pride Month has evolved over time and over space. So while it may have originated with the Stonewall riots, um, I think now Pride Month takes on a very new meaning um, all over the world. Lah. So in America, it's a, there's a new meaning. In Singapore, there's a different meaning. And even within those individual countries, the meaning of Pride Month would differ for different people. Mm. Yeah. So again, it will cut across things like race, class, and religion. Yeah. So, you know, that's just a backstory of where Pride Month originated from. And yeah, hopefully that was a fun fact for you in order to celebrate Pride Month and to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community all over the world. Mm -hmm. So that's all we have for you today. Be sure to look forward to next week's What's Up With You episode on Thursday because we have a very special guest coming on to tell us more about the LGBTQ plus community. And yeah, we hope you have a very, very great Monday. Bye! <laughs>